0: Welcome to the CHGO Bulls Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and make sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am your host today. I am Will Gottlieb. I am here with my good friend Mark Kay from Australia. Mark, how are you? Are you as excited uh, to have All Star Break here as I am? As the Bulls certainly seem to be.
1: Yes. Yes, William. I am thrilled about that. To be honest with you, having a break from the balls will be nice. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to consume the All Star Weekend and its festivities, but um, certainly probably won't tonight at least. the The Rising Star stuff that never really gets me entertained. But maybe I'll I'll tune in for the three point competition. But uh, yeah, I am. I'm I'm glad we're taking a break. I'm glad we need a break. This team needs a break. We as a fan base need a break. Uh, it's been a long, tough painful season in many respects so the fact that we get a brief reprieve is, is very nice but uh how about you how, how, about, how about you you're the one that's actually getting on a jet later on today and a pj i'm gonna i'm assuming it's a pj you're, you're jumping on one of those and you're heading yeah, straight Zach, to salt lake city later tonight yeah? zach's
0: holding his flight for me we're gonna head out pretty much uh, right after we've heard that recording <laughs> now i'm heading to salt lake tomorrow morning um at, i have like a 6 a.m flight which will be fun uh, but I'll just be there for the stuff tomorrow or for the stuff on Sunday. So the all-star game no. and some of the pre, pre-game pre event stuff um, should be fun. There was obviously some uncertainty about whether DeMar would be playing. Um, Io now has been invited to play in tonight's Rising Stars Challenge. I don't even know if I understand how that is going to work. There's like three teams. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that I fully understand. Um, but I'm excited to go there. Um I'm going to do a little skiing and get away uh, from the, from the bulls and the uh, disaster that has been this, these past few weeks in bulls basketball. Um, So I'm I'm excited for the break, but I'm also excited because we're, we're counting down the days now before you make your wish it's, it's happening soon. So after this all-star break, it's, what is it? The 13th of March.
1: Yeah. It'll be, yeah. After, after, after the all-star break, it'll be virtually three weeks pretty much on the day so it is coming it's come around extremely quickly uh it was sort of slowish towards but essentially once we clicked into 2023 that's when it started to feel real and started to feel like it's actually happening very soon but to your point yeah it's it's basically three and a bit weeks away so I'm I'm very excited can't wait uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing but uh I wish I could have done this during a better season but yeah that's
0: hopefully yeah. the bulls are either back in it in some way or at least put on a show for the games that how many games are you going to go to GBD? well
1: there's a there's at least or oh, haven't booked any i haven't done anything <laughs> i haven't i haven't made any plans at all yet game I'm time baby game
0: time app get your last minute tickets you know the drill
1: exactly and we we got an ad read later on from our friends at game time that was my plan i'm like surely i can just jump on the game time app later on and find a ticket and given the way this team is playing right now maybe the prices won't necessarily be cheaper but it will be just easier to access a ticket so that that, that's the game plan via game time in that sense but uh yeah i don't know there's there's three games on three home games on whilst i'm there i believe there's five games total whilst i'm over in the u.s so uh how many i'm gonna get to i don't know that's probably dependent on this stupid team but we'll see
0: well you'll get um at least a few live editions of the CHCO Bulls podcast in studio. Um, yep. We're excited for that. I'm very excited for that. Um, we are going to switch gears here and get into some of the All-Star Weekend festivities, um, predictions, and just you know some stuff about Damar and Io. Um, Lowry Markkinen is one of the few uh, Bulls-related participants, so we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit. We've also got a longer discussion about just how this season has sort of collapsed the way that it did, where things went wrong, who's to blame, who's at fault, how do they maybe start to dig themselves out of this? Um, but let's start with the All Star weekend and some predictions there. Just the news—I mentioned this before. Io uh, was a replacement for—I don't even remember who he was replacing—but he's going to be joining the teams in um, for the for the Rising Stars game tonight. He. Um, I guess there was some problem with the weather last night and he was not able to get out until this morning. So they're missing like the whole media circuit. Um, And he's just going to like show up and play basketball, which is kind of funny. Um, DeMar obviously was, it was announced that he would be playing in the All-Star game on Sunday, which is great news. He's obviously missed the last two games with that hip issue. So glad to know that's not too serious. We'll, um, we'll have to see how much he actually plays, but what are you looking forward to um, maybe out of those two guys and their, and their respective games
1: this weekend. Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. Like I said, I don't even know if I'll be tuning into the Rising Star stuff, so I'm not sure if I'll catch ION necessarily. But having said that, Powers coaching, I believe Joe Keane's coaching, so there is a a broader balls connection there as well. So. Maybe I will actually watch tonight now I'm thinking. It. Maybe I will tune in. But uh, I'm just happy for IO to be honest with you. It's been a bit of an up and down season for him. It's been difficult season in the sense that he's been thrown into the fire from a point guard position. Like obviously, he came in and did a, a nice job towards the end of last season in that role. But he's basically been there the whole time this year. It's, uh, it's a difficult second year. Well, I mean, your sophomore so more generally season is difficult. Uh, and the fact that I O has had to navigate just the, the general difficulties about being in U two, along with trying to loan the point guard position, running the offense for a team whose offense clearly has been problematic in that sense. Like it, it's been a tough year for I O, but it's cool that he gets this just reward here to maybe just again for himself to have a, a bit of a reprieve, maybe to clear his mind, enjoy some some time away from the balls here and just be amongst other people and you know just revel in being an NBA player because it's pro- it, look it's been. As much as we clown the balls at times and, and we get annoyed at them, I, they can't be enjoying what they, they're going through at the moment. So the fact that the players themselves get a chance to just break free a little bit here and uh, in, Io's, in Io's case, as well as DeMar, just like enjoy being around other NBA guys, I can imagine that would be a, a pretty amazing experience for them. So I'm, ha- I'm happy, Vi, that he gets to experience this. I don't really know what to expect for DeMar, to be honest with you, because he's obviously Wait, sorry, out,
0: uh, sorry to cut you off. I want to just... Uh follow up on one thing with the Rising yeah. Stars before we move on to DeMar. So I was looking it up while you were talking because um, I was unprepared and didn't know this before, but it's actually kind of an interesting tournament. So there's four teams, Team Powell, mm. Team Darren, which is the team that I was on. Obviously the the Illinois uh, connection there, Team Joe Kim and Team Jason Tatum. So it's a, it's a four-team bracket and the first two games, so the first game of each side of the bracket are up to a target score of 40. The winners will then play in uh a game three a championship game up to a target score of 25 so s- similar to the elam ending uh the way that they do that and then just um to give you guys a heads up if you want to make some bets on it in the uh the old DraftKings sports book team pow is a favorite against team darren in game one and team joe is a favorite against team jason tatum in game two and uh the the favorite to win it all is team pow so Team Darren is second second highest odds at plus 200. That's the team I was on. Kind of an interesting format. They've been mixing around. They had Team World versus Team USA. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting to see them kind of messing with with the parameters. And, you know, I think a lot of times they they do this kind of thing with, like, testing the, the fixed ending or the Elam ending in G League games to see if that could work at the NBA level in some capacity. It's, it's just kind of interesting. It should be exciting.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I'm less enthused about this this game, to be honest with you, because I liked it when it was rookies versus second year guys, for whatever reason. I, I started to tune out when it was, started becoming world versus USA, and now this this type of format, maybe this will be cool, and maybe I'll be the, the dope that's not watching, <laughs> and I'll miss something really cool and interesting, but uh, I think because they've just continuously changed things, maybe that's why I'm less, less engaged from a Friday night point of view, but I don't know. Maybe I'll talk myself into it and watch it. Who the hell knows? But uh, like I said, shouts to Aya for being part of it. But coming back to... Do you, do you think reward... he...
0: Do you think he should have made it in the first place? He was obviously an injury replacement. Um, Jalen Green and Tari Eason. Yeah. Jalen Green and Jalen Durden dropped out and Tari Eason and Aya were their replacements. Do you think he should have been in from the get?
1: Definitely not from the get. No, no. I didn't... I, I touched on his second year struggles uh yeah it's not, it's not necessarily struggles but i mean he's been up and down let's say so I, I didn't necessarily think he needed to be in there from the jump uh the fact that he's a a filling type guy or a call up whatever you want to refer to it as i have no obviously have no problems with io being there like was the same thing with demar like i don't necessarily think demar deserved to be an all-star this season but do i care about that no not at all because one of my guys is going to the all-star game so uh in that sense, I don't really care. and I'm not, In that sense, I'm happy Io and both DeRozan is there. But uh, I don't necessarily think Io deserve to be in, 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 in the initial team at least. But I'm happy you got it. I'm happy you got it. Fair enough. Um,
0: I'll, I'll I'll be done cutting you off now and you can get into your and thing.
1: <laughs> Never cut me off again, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no promises. I don't make promises okay. I can't keep.
1: Well, look, I was just going to say like... I kind of know what to expect with Io because Io will do Io things tonight. But with DeRozan, obviously, with the injury, one, are we 100% sure that he's playing? And two, even if he is technically playing, like how much does he actually play? And if he actually plays, like how hard is he actually going? So I I don't really know what to expect with the whole DeMar thing. Like maybe he'll get in for a few minutes. Maybe he plays 25, 35 minutes. Who the hell knows with DeMar? But like because of the looming injury or the lingering injury, it's kind of hard to really uh understand i guess what what his all-star weekend will look like but uh I, it is cool though that of all the balls that are going and and we've spoken about it a number of times on this podcast the relationship that io and Demar have and that relationship that maybe Demar's extended to pat and you know uh dalen and maybe some of the some of the younger guys on the team as well like it is cool to see the old vet going there with one of the younger guys and those two probably spending. The, that weekend together, I would imagine, or a large chunk of it together. So that aspect of it is cool and gets me in my feels for sure.
0: Well, I actually uh, asked Io if he was going to be staying through Sunday to watch Damar in the All-Star game, and he said, hell no. So I do not think he'll be there the whole time, but that is a great lead into something that I just wanted to plug for myself today, a story on allchgo.com about Damar's mentorship over some of the younger guys on the team, specifically Dalen Terry and Patrick Williams. Um, it was a really fun chatting with those guys about their relationship with Demar and sort of like what his mentorship means to them, and just you know, like I, I feel like a lot of times young players wouldn't necessarily appreciate that they have that in the moment. That like it would come down the line where they realize like, man, I was in a situation where not only did I have this veteran mentor who was like really really. Um, like taking me under his wing and teaching me how to play and prepare and all this stuff, but also was an all-star and back-to-back seasons, like not a fake all-star, not like a one-off because the team was winning and they just deserved uh, an all-star or a popularity all-star. This was like a legitimate all-star for the second straight year. I know the, the candidacy might've been questionable, but like talent wise and uh, respect from his peers and the coaches around the league wise, I mean, there was no doubt. And so it was really fun to talk with them and, one of the lines that stood out for me was Patrick basically saying like, I know Demar will never admit that this is a big deal. Like he doesn't play for all-star appearances. He plays for the, res- the respect of his peers. He plays to be a good mentor, but like, this is a big deal. And like, I want him to know that this is a big deal, like two all-star appearances. Um, and just what that means for me and Dalen to be able to see what kind of preparation and um, work ethic goes into that. Right. Uh, I thought that was a really cool anecdote from Pat. And he also kind of told us, told me that, um, you know, DeMar takes them out to dinner in every single away city that they go to, they've been doing that all year. So some really fun stories and anecdotes in there, you should go check it out if you have a chance.
1: Definitely. And look, let me, let me do some tooting of horns at the moment. So firstly, for me, uh, that was just a fantastic segue for me. It was a soft segue. Like I obviously It was honestly you. one of your better
0: one of your better segues. Yeah, it was People didn't was even underground underem- exactly.
1: love exactly. That was that was just beautiful from up from my perspective. But for you, William, I I am so pleased to be your friend right now, um because this <laughs> We're talking about like the growth of, of IO and and the, him entering the Rising Stars game and our guy here in the, in the in the, uh, in the chat, Skokes, he mentioning that uh, well, me as well, but uh, I'm I'm going to put it all on you that William will be in the Rising Stars game or should be, but your growth as a beat as a beat writer this season has just been very evident, and this story here when I wrote this morning, so basically I'll paint a picture, uh, I'll just give you. Story time with Mark K at this point. Like I wake up this morning <laughs> yeah. at 6 a.m. Like my, my alarm goes off. First thing I do is obviously turn off my alarm. Second thing, like a normal person is to go on Twitter and see what's happening. Uh, I see, I see a I DM. I that from, is
0: what
1: I do as well? <laughs> I, I see a DM from William. Don't really read that first. I, I put that on hold. I go to my list where my Bulls list, where I have all my like... Uh, Bulls media people that I can, because I'm obviously in a time zone difference. When I wake up, you guys have been awake for for a number of hours. Things may have broken, things may have happened. I always go and jump on my list first and see what the news is. And there wasn't much happening, but one of the things that I did see was your story that you're that you've you've referenced here. And uh, this was a great fucking story. And for it to be coming out when it did uh, in in the in the lead up to to All Star Game was awesome to see. The content of the story, obviously. These younger guys sort of reflecting on DeMar and the leadership of DeMar DeRozan and all that stuff. Like, the story itself was a good feel-good piece. And I saw a number of people stating that to you in the comments of your story, which was completely bang on. But again, for me, from a personal note, and for us here at CHDO, to see your growth as a beat guy and your ability to now capture these stories... It's 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 so cool, man. So um uh, just a quick shout to you, um, but also obviously to Dale and to, to Pat and uh and and more generally to DeMar, the, the leadership that he's sort of carrying here to to garner that level of of respect from these young guys. And I think one of the things that struck me in your story, William, was like you hear in in so many other NBA locker rooms or you know, other situations how there's how there's maybe just a, a divide between the younger and old guys in certain locker rooms. And um, like that's something people were speaking about with the Roy- uh, the Warriors and why w- one of the reasons they wanted wanted to bring back Gary Payton was like he was that bridge between that the younger crew in the Warriors locker room and, and maybe the older vets. Whereas here in Chicago, it seems like Demar just floats between everyone. Like he's cool with the older dudes. He's obviously very cool here with the younger guys, being the, the vet mentor uh, to those guys. So that was again another prevailing thought that I had in reading this. So I just i just came away with it just uh, loving you william more but even just loving loving demar more to be honest with you like he's just an incredible incredible person
0: well i really appreciate that that means a lot thank you mark um but but totally agree with that last bit that like demar is just the the best i mean he just he's great like everybody loves him um the one thing that i think was sad about this was a lot of the comments i was getting were like man this just says that like Zach needs to go and that Zach isn't a good enough leader and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that was not supposed to be the point of the story at all. This has nothing to do with Zach. In fact, I asked Zach about Damar in writing this and I didn't end up using the quote, but he basically said like, Damar is so good at what he does. And basically it's because of the way that some of his vets earlier on in his career treated him. And like everybody does it in their own way, but DeMar, the way that he does it is just obviously people gravitate towards that. Um, I don't think that means that Zach is not a good leader or a good locker presence. I think quite the opposite people really respect and appreciate him. Um, but I did want to just write something that um, that kind of mentioned how great uh, DeMar was, because that's I think that's gotten some shine, but also sort of the, the inner workings of it haven't really been uh, divulged. So I'm I'm glad I got a chance to write that, and I appreciate you for reading it. And I'm glad you liked it. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, sure. let's uh, let's circle back to some of the All Star stuff before we move on to some of the more sad things about the bowl season. Just real quick, um, any any uh, predictions for the three point tournament or the dunk contest? Um, it's crazy how the three point contest is now like the the marquee thing of the night and not the dunk contest yeah. anymore it kind of kind of uh just speaks to where we are in the game of basketball like everybody's just shooting threes all the time no don't start cool but um we've got mac mcclung the g leaguer who just signed with the the 76ers is the favorite at DraftKings plus twenty twenty one twenty five. 20 21 25 you got jericho sims who has like some of the most bounce that i think i've ever seen he can like kiss the rim um, he's plus 240, Kenyon Martin Jr., plus 250, and Trey Murphy. The marksman, one of the best three-point shooters in the, in the league, is plus 330. Um, but he can also kind of throw it down. Any, uh, any predictions?
1: I have no good predictions when it comes to the dunk contest, to be honest with you. The fact that Mac McClung, <laughs> former Bulls legend Mac McClung, is highlighting the All-Star game. All-Star Weekend dunk contest uh, says a lot about the this state. It's the of NBA this contest.
0: dunk contest. And you have a G League player as the Well, wow, technically it's... he's an
1: NBA player now, isn't he? Because he didn't he sign with the Sixers the other day.
0: Yeah, but like come on. He's played like yeah, three I, NBA games.
1: I was being facetious. This it is ridiculous that uh, that this ridiculous. is the case. Like I mean <laughs> yeah. I, I've got no good prediction here. I kind of want to see uh, well, I, I was going to say, I wonder if, um, what's his name? Kenya Martinson, Kenya Martin Jr. I want to see what he can do because he, he might be that like in-between bridge of like that smaller guy that can get up. But also, I love seeing the big guys who can get up there and jump. like I want to see Jericho Sims do his thing, but maybe he's just too big and too awkward, but that dude can fly. I guess that I would have been really intrigued by the dunk contest if Shaden Sharp was in this thing. The, 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 the minute he pulled out, he was, I was He was like, the one
0: I was really excited about.
1: Yeah, that that in game dunk he had the other night against the Wizards was just fun. that was filthy and murderous. In different he would have been would have been
0: amazing. It would have been
1: amazing if he was in it. But uh yeah, look um I I, I want to see either Kenyon Martin Jr., Jr or Jericho Sims win it. Uh I want to see a big dude win it. That that would be fun. But uh I I don't know. I don't know, William. I don't know what's gonna happen with this one. Tell tell me what you think because I've got no freaking idea, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I would say one of those two guys are my favorites, um, maybe Jericho Sims. I just like watching him. I saw him a couple of times at summer league this past year, and it's like insane. Like he's one of those rare big men who actually makes it look like he's flying, um, and just like the the hang time that he has, I feel like he can do something crazy. But Kenny Martin, I think would be number two. He's he's got some some bounce as well. Uh, what about the three point contest? You got some big names in there: Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum. Uh, Buddy Heald, Tyler Hero, Kevin Herder, Halliburton, Julius Randall, who was a late ad, and then of course Larry Markkinen, um, who is the plus six fifty, the second worst odds to win. And it's just yeah, it's interesting that like all the big names are now in the three point contest. Um, any uh, any betting you're gonna do? Any predictions you want to make? Any best bets?
1: Well, I've got i I've got a good bet here, but I'm gonna save it for my uh we've got a DraftKings ad read coming up, so I'm not gonna necessarily divulge all my my foreseeing of uh of the future just yet, but uh it is a it is a good interesting field. There's seven really amazing shooters in here, and then there's Julius fucking Randall. How how is Julius Randall a replacement for anyone in the three point shooting competition? I need to look up his stats. I think because he was history. already gonna be there, like well, I, I guess, but like what is he shooting this season? 33.8% from three this season. What What? What? What are we doing, NBA? What are we freaking doing? That That's ju- bad. I could shoot better than 30. 30- well, I couldn't actually. I'll take that back. But 33.8% from three and we're having Julius Randle enter the season. You've got Damian Lee in Phoenix shooting like 40-something percent. K- uh, KCP over in Denver is shooting 45% from three or something stupid like that. There's so many good shooters in the NBA right now. And you put in Julius freaking Randall, who's shooting less than 34% from three this season, a career 33.4% shooter from three this is freaking egregious I am absolutely filthy that they have done this so um I know I've diverted the conversation here but I'm actually more annoyed by Julius Randall being in this three-point contest than that actual three-point contest itself and, and enjoying just that the general uh the general event itself I'm, I'm, I just can't believe that they've actually done this but uh it is, Does wild. It shit it you is wild. To tears it absolutely shits me to tears I'm crying tears because of this one William this it, it makes zero sense to me but uh I'll save my my pick for the ad read.
0: Okay. Well, I just want to make one more thing, and then we can get into our first ad read. The thing that is crazy to me is that there's a line already between Team Giannis and Team LeBron, and we don't know the teams yet. They haven't drafted the teams. How can you have a line? (laughs) Don't bet on that until you know what the I mean, maybe, yeah, you just bet Giannis to cover plus three. I I don't know what that is. Um, We'll have to see. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to on Sunday night is just – witnessing the the live you know schoolyard drafting of the players on the court right before the game starts so that that should be really interesting although apparently the nba is now going to do reserves and then starters but who cares i mean that that should be really interesting um anyway let's move on here mark can you tell the people about our first sponsor DraftKings?
1: of course william so we were obviously hinting at that and then look DraftKings do a whole bunch of buddy, uh, betting rather but given that we are entering the All-Star weekend it obviously makes sense to touch on the All-Star weekend itself. Obviously based on what I just said there folks, do not bet anything on Julius Randle. Save your freaking money. I know the odds are nice and tasty but uh do not put your odds on do Ju- uh do not put your cash on Julius Randle. Instead, here is my tip William. I'm put I'm, p- I'm picking Kevin Herter at +550. 550. Some people would say, Kevin Herter is my pick to win this all-star game. Uh, Sorry, not the all-star game, the three-point contest shooting. So he would be my bet. And that's where I'm putting my money on this weekend using the DraftKings app. So download the app now. When you sign up with CHGO, new customers can get up to $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with us here at CHTO using the promo code CHTO. Of course, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see all that in the show notes for details. But if you want to place a bet this weekend, I think the most fun you're going to have is at, uh, is at the three point contest. Like you said before, William, that's probably the best contest of the weekend. And Kevin Herter has the fourth best odds, and he just might be the best shooter in this competition. So that's where my money's going. Uh, Kevin Herder, No positive. love for Larry. Like No love for Lowry. Sorry, Lowry. Plus 650 for Lowry. Not interested in that. Damian Lillard is the... or I should say Damian Lillard and Buddy Heald on DraftKings Sportsbook website. They're currently both at plus 425. They are the favorites. Jason Tatum thereafter. I mean, Kevin Herter in fourth. So I don't know about you, but there's something about that. That sweet shooting redhead from Sacramento that uh, just makes me want to put some money down. So I'm going with him at plus five fifty, uh, um, and that's what DraftKings have it at the moment now. Given this influential read of of I've, I've just spouted off here, I'm, I'm tipping. I'm going to sway the people too. So uh, Kevin Herter might just just move up the charts here with my expert ad reading. So get in now whilst you can before the uh, the money line drops. Sharp so, money, sharp money. Yeah, exactly. moving exactly. That's alive. where I'm going, William. That's where I'm going.
0: Uh, well, Monster Atomic Mutant Lake Fish, who is always in the comments, just mentioned to hit the like on you' at the door. So please do that if you are listening. We got about 80 people in here. We've got 30 likes. Let's see if we can bump that up as I tell the folks here about our partners at Goose Island Beer Company. Goose Island is uh, a sh- Chicago's beer since 1988, and we have had our partnership with Goose Island since this year, 2023. And it has been an awesome partnership so far. Um, They've got incredible beers for the Blackhawks. They've got their limited release pale ale. They've got the Bull City 312 limited release. And the cans match the city edition uniforms with the Municipal Y. Um, They've got a bunch of other other beers, Bourbon uh, County Stout, Christmas IPA, Beer Hug IPA, Green Line, Matilda. I go with the, the 312 though. That's the classic. So uh, Goose Island's two lo- local locations are ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1800 West Fullerton, or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne House at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pick up, go to gooseisland.com slash locations. Goose Island Beer Company, they're awesome. We are so lucky to be partnered with them. We had a great time the other week doing our commercial shoot from their brew house on uh, Fullerton. It was a lot of fun and you guys should go check it out. And maybe Mark, we can go there and, and grab some Goose Islands when you're in town.
1: I hope so. I hope so. I really do. I really hope so. I've got a, I've got a craving for a beer at the moment and particularly here, like it's summer here. It was like 38 degrees here, which is about 100 Fahrenheit or whatever you guys, stupid metric system, not metric system, whatever system you guys use. So that's, it was really hot here yesterday is my point. So I'm really craving a beer, but uh, maybe I can save it there. Save yeah, that. well,
0: it just it just snowed pretty bad here last night, so don't get, don't get your hopes up. Um, <laughs> well, that we had, beer we had a little a fake spring, but of course, it was fake spring. Um, let's switch gears here and talk about the Bulls. This is a Bulls podcast after all, and we've gone about 29 minutes without talking about them. Um, the Bulls have lost six in a row. They've lost five in a row since the trade deadline. They are down bad, okay? This is... <laughs> DEFCON 3, okay. This is this is not great. I mean, when you think about where the Bulls are as a team, not just in terms of this season being two games out of the 10th spot, but mm-hmm. not really having a lot of avenues to get themselves out of the middle or the lower end of the middle. I mean, they're almost in the top five lottery range at this point. They're as close yep. to that as they are to getting back into the play-in. Um, there's obviously talent on this team and I think everybody can agree that they should be better than this except for maybe the the most skeptical of the skeptics. How did this happen? What what went wrong here to where this team is 7 games below 500 60 games into the season. And for the record, last year at this time they were 38 and 21 heading into the All-Star break. Right now 26 and 33. So almost a complete turnaround in their record. Um, from last year, and obviously things kind of went down the tubes to finish last year in their final 23, they were eight and 15, which is obviously not good. They had the the whimper out of the playoffs, but like the beginning of the season wasn't this bad. They had some runs there. They had that eight and three stretch, and then it, the wheels have just fallen off. Where do you think this this mess started? And um, maybe yeah, we'll start there, and then can kind of move into like whether there's any way out of it.
1: Well, firstly, uh, can I just say I don't know which one of you, whether it was Joey or you, but one of you included Billy Donovan in the headline of this podcast, which was I I had no mention of Billy Donovan in the YouTube title of this of this podcast. It it was Joseph. It was freaking Joseph. It was so Joey. The original it title me. was How did the Bulls lose control of their season? And Joey of all people, <laughs> I, I can't I can't forgive you for this one, Joey, but he's included Billy Donovan in, in here, but. Coming back to your original question. SEO on YouTube. You got to get the full team name. So you got to be Chicago Bulls. And we got to get, some, you know, maybe we got people on YouTube searching up Billy Donovan. No one's going on YouTube searching oh, up I Billy do Donovan. The masses,
0: his head. So, <laughs> the masses uh, are calling for his head.
1: Oh, well, they are. They certainly are. They certainly are. But coming back to your question, uh, putting aside my my minor grievances here, well, not minor, my major grievances with what. Uh, the, uh, you know, the artistic creative freedom that Joey's just decided to put onto this podcast. Where did this whole thing go wrong, William? Great, great question. Great question. I think my initial, my initial instinct to this was it's, it's the off season, but I wonder if it's even further back than that. I wonder if it's even like back to the previous trade deadline. I wonder if that's where it all started to go wrong. Or at least where things started to at least be uh, more significantly questioned as to what should have been what what should have been happening because Billy was saying, well, not this time last season. Even earlier, he was saying probably in December, January of last season that things weren't trending in the right direction. That the defense has started to fall off, and people like to say that basically the defense fell off as soon as Lonzo went out, which is not true. The The Bulls' defense was top five when Lonzo was playing. It started slipping when he was playing. It started falling out of the top 10. They were down to 17th in defensive rating the day that Lonzo went out uh, with his knee injury over a year ago. So in that sense, Billy was right from that point p- perspective. The This team last season, even in their heights of winning games, on, on the back of DeMar doing some amazing things, the signs were already there that this team just wasn't going to maintain that winning record or that winning feeling that they had early in in, of last season. And a lot of us were sort of suggesting that this team needed to do a little bit more and that they should have been more active at last trade deadline to, to sort of really, uh, I guess, just, just to add pieces. And specifically after you lost Lonzo and you had Caruso out, like that would have been a good, potentially a good opportunity to maybe add someone to, to really fortify the roster, but obviously they didn't do it then. Fine, that's probably I can forgive that somewhat. But then to to enter this off and virtually do nothing to the roster, uh, apart from obviously Goran Dragic, Dalen Terry, and uh, Andre Drummond, to me like <laughs> that's not necessarily doing anything sweeping to the roster. I think we have to start at least in the off as to where they got everything so wrong, and um I think that's fair to do so.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the defense. The the defense is not the issue. The Bulls are seventh in defense this year. They are I think not quite as good as that number would suggest. But I think if your logic is that like the bulls are who their record says that they are, you probably have to assign some of that same credit, the other direction when the bulls defense is seventh. Like I said, I think there's some reason to believe that there could be some regression there, but for the most part, they've defended at a really high level all year. Um, So missing Lonzo on that end is obviously important, but it's not what's made this team fall apart. Um, I think it's what you don't have from Lonzo on the offensive end. Um, I, I don't think there's any surprise in saying that the Bulls are a huge disappointment offensively. I mean, 24th in offensive rating right now, and you've built this team around three offense-first All-Stars. It's not its not good enough. And something is wrong. And uh, I was listening to the Full Go podcast, Jason Goff's podcast, with Stan Van Gundy the other night, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: he made some really interesting points about – Lonzo and the Bulls offense in general about how there's just no athleticism. There's no ability to like get downhill. And when you also don't have shooting, I mean, you might think like guys like IO can attack the, uh, attack the rim or Zach or you know Kobe. Damar is a guy that doesn't really get to the rim much. He wants to operate at the elbow. Rooch yep. is no. <laughs> you know, getting into post hooks from the block. These are not like guys that are collapsing the defense by attacking the rim really quickly. Mm -hmm. And you may think that like they have that sort of athleticism, but let's put it in comparison to a team like the Grizzlies who are obviously one of the more athletic teams in the league, but they also don't have a lot of shooting. And so Stan was making this point that if you're not going to have shooting, you have to be jamming the ball down the opponent's throat. I mean, you have to be getting out in transition. You have to be Mm -hmm. putting pressure on the rim at all times and spraying it out to shooters and trying to find open shots. that way the bulls don't do a good enough job of that. And when they can't get downhill They can't make the the spray out pass when they can't make the spray out pass. um, Guys aren't taking contested shots. They only want to take open shots. And a lot of times they're not even taking those open shots. So I think that they're just, there isn't enough athleticism. There isn't enough three point shooting to complement this trio that you have. And the one guy that can actually shoot at a high level is Zach Levine, but because the Bulls don't have anybody else that can get to the glass. He's one of the few time one of the few players that can get all the way to the rim. He's got to do a lot of that. And there's just not enough to go around. I'm really glad you brought up last trade deadline. Obviously, at this at that point last year, you and I were doing Bulls HQ. And I mean, we were calling for a trade then because yeah. the team did have a lot going for them. And they were in a position where with Lonzo, with Caruso, With Patrick being out for the you know foreseeable future, they had a chance to really compete. But when you remove all that stuff from the lineup, and you know you can you can speak to or you can you can point to how fragile things are with Lonzo and you know him not being an All Star player, him likely never going to be an All Star player, him not going to be a 15 plus point per game scorer. All that's true. But when you are missing the one guy who can throw hit ahead passes and actually create some offense not just for himself or the guy he's passing to, but starts to generate this sort of cascade of offense where there's energy in the ball, people are touching it, and they're getting open looks. It's just, it really has degraded and eroded the offense to where they just have a hard time getting anything going. Everything is a slog. Everything is a tough, contested shot. And, you know, people can blame Billy all they want, but, like, at the end of the day, you have to play to who you're – who your talent is and clearly there's like a disconnect between what the coach wants to do and what the players are doing and I think you have to put some blame on Billy for that but at the same time what can he do I mean there just aren't guys that are shooting high volume threes at at high efficiency there aren't guys that can get downhill and collapse the defense the easiest thing to do is just put the ball in DeMar's hand and let him do what DeMar does but at the end of the day like he's the first to tell you that's not a sustainable source of offense. And he's the one that's been trying to push for that. Now I know Stan Gundy is a coach and he will forever be a coach apologist, but I thought he made some really solid points about what the Bulls offense lacks and why you can't really put all the blame on Billy. So if you get a chance, go listen to that podcast. I think it was the most recent episode of the full go uh, Jason Goff's podcast. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was a really insightful listen in terms of what the bulls are list, uh, are missing and why things have sort of took, taken this tailspin the way that they have.
1: Yeah, look, I haven't listened to that podcast, but I will go and listen to. It. I saw, I did, I did see you recommending it on the timeline on Twitter. Um... And just more generally, I I really enjoy Stan Van Gundy and his analysis. I loved him on the broadcast last night. Uh, the way he was speaking about Vooch and the way the Bulls should be, used, be using Vooch just spoke to me on so many different levels.
0: So Yeah, what, was, what ch- was he saying, if you don't mind sharing? Because I was obviously at the game, yeah, I was able to listen it. on the... So, But I saw a lot of people talking about that, and I was curious what he had to say. Well,
1: I mean, we've just been subjected to a lot of, you know get Vooch in the post. Let's run some triangle type offenses. (laughs) That old school methodology in terms of how to use a center like Vooch, whereas Van Van Gundy on the broadcast was making it very clear that against a defense like the Bucs, a a dropping defense, one that's going to pack the paint, that you need spacing, you need shooting, that this team doesn't necessarily have a lot of it. And one guy who can do that is Vooch. And he was suggesting that Vooch needs to get up seven or 10 threes in that specific game. But he was actually lamenting the fact that Vooch just wasn't even looking at the basket that Brooke Lopez had sort of gotten in Vuce's head and was sort of had, had taken him out of the game in that respect. And he was just, every time Vuce touched the ball, it wasn't about getting Vooch in the post or doing this or that, like inside game sort of stuff for simple games type stuff. It was more so, uh, you know, the fact that he, Vuce wasn't looking at the basket or even thinking about shooting the jumper. So it was just a really interesting, insightful, uh, piece of commentary from Stan Van Gundy and like I said, complete 180 to what we usually uh, usually getting from him. But so I, I I guess more generally, I love his analysis. But pertaining to the balls and bringing it back to to what he what he said on the balls. And again, I haven't listened to the podcast. I will listen to it uh, based on your recommendation. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's dead on. Like, and this this brings me to the point that I wanted to raise here. Like, and, and coming back to it's connected to the whole off season thing. But it, I just. I just question how irresponsible it is to to build a roster in the modern NBA that you were last in three point attempt rate last season, to not add any real shooting or credible shooting at all. In fact, you add, you drafted Dalen Terry, possibly the worst shooter in that draft. And look, I, I don't want to trash Dalen. Like this isn't a, a, a this isn't a trash Dalen bit because I think he can and will be a very good player at some point. But clearly, jump shooting is not something he adds. Um, I'm not saying he was the wrong pick, but I'm just saying that's not something he brings to the table. Obviously, Andre Drummond doesn't shoot threes, and Goran Dragic is an okay shooter, but doesn't necessarily get them up at a volume, and he's barely playing at this point. So they didn't address their biggest fundamental problem. And all the things that you spoke about, like this team not having enough athleticism on offense their inability to get downhill all those sorts of things like that's already a built-in problem but that problem is amplified when you don't have proper floor spacing so like maybe guys like io and pat aren't necessarily good ball handlers or maybe not good ball handlers but not certainly not ball handlers to the point where you're, you're confident that they could put the ball on the ground and get to the rim consistently but even if they could, I would imagine that that ability is so much more difficult or that the, the ability to get to the rim is made so much more difficult now in this system, on this team, given the the lack of spacing on it. And then coming bringing that back to your point around Billy and coaching, all that sort of stuff, like... I'm not surprised in in many respects that the Bulls have struggled. I I understand that their best three players are offense-first players, but none of them are high-volume three-point shooters. And beyond that, there's not much shooting around there. But I just just question, in in this again, in this day and age where three is greater than two, how can you possibly keep up or build an efficient offense without having that level of shooting on the roster, which the, the team clearly doesn't have? So how can you build a functioning offense that can keep up with the rest of the league? So... To me, like those things, those two points are connected. It comes back to the off season, obviously, and not addressing the three point shooting issue, which we've raised on here a million, a million times. I know Big Dave brings it up literally every podcast, which he should, because this team shooting, particularly of late, has just been so, so comical. But it's been a theme now for literally one and a half going on two seasons, and it just hasn't been addressed, and it's just, it's just freaking frustrating, man. It's, it's, it's crazy
0: absolutely agree and i think that's why fans are justified in their frustration from you know dating back to you know this this past summer i thought it was strange that they didn't want to make any additions to the roster last offseason as i mentioned and then again i'm sorry last trade deadline and then again this trade deadline so um i understand that there is this sentiment of we saw there's a proof of concept whether or not they were as good as their record indicated or whether um, you know what they were doing was sustainable, there is proof of concept that a team as fully constructed was a good team. They were. With Lonzo, with Caruso, with Patrick at the start of last year, they were a legitimately good team. They are playing the right style. Uh, they were playing to the style that they needed to play in order to be successful. And with Lonzo, they had that one guy who could actually get three-point shots up. And all of a sudden... You've got one, two elite shooters in the starting lineup in Zach and Lonzo, and then two solid to okay shooters around him in Patrick and Vooch. And that just completely changes the the floor geometry and how defenses have to play um, you. Yep. And so I think it is a really big deal that Lonzo is missing. I, I don't want that to go understated because that is a big deal. But at the same time, coming into this offseason – under the impression that whether or not you you knew that Lonzo was going to need another surgery, like you also knew what the flaws were and how it looked when Lonzo wasn't playing. You couldn't expect for him to be ready to go for 82 games playing 36 minutes. You know that you still needed to add on the fringes, uh, shooting in the depth positions, and they didn't do that. Um, And I, I think as these bodies go down, whether it's Javante or Derek Jones, these guys that do have the athleticism to run up and down, it just becomes more and more obvious. Now, I like what we've seen from Dalen so far. He is so far away from being a shooter that like, it's just going to be a really long time. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he won't be able to get there. He's a really hard worker. He understands the value of the three-point shot to his minutes and how that's going to affect his playing time. So he's going to be working on it. Patrick obviously has gotten a lot better, but he's got a slow release and is not always willing to shoot them. Same, same for IO Kobe's percentage has been way down this year, which is kind of strange. They just like, they don't have the guys to be able to play not only the style that they need to play in order to be successful, but they don't even have the guys to play the style of default basketball. Let's just give the ball to DeMar or Zach and let them create offense because there's still no shooter. On them. There's still no extra pass around them. So I think it's like not all that surprising that things have spiraled as far as they have. And then once th- things start to go wrong, it's just so easy to get caught in that rut. And that's what I want to get into in our next segment here is just like the Bulls' inability to stop the run, to have momentum, not get, not just get overwhelmed and steamrolled by momentum. Because they've been talking about this since this time last year. Um, we'll get into to some of that more after the break. But Mark, can you share with our friends here about the Game Time app?
1: I can, William. We alluded it to it before, but uh, if you're not aware, friends, Game Time is the hottest new ticketing website that makes things easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to, you know, sporting events, concerts, and shows. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to get to, Game Time can help you out. So if you've had dreams or plans to sit courtside, if you've been at the, if you want to, you know, sit at the fifty-yard line, if you want to be in front-row seats at whatever concert you want to get to. Our friends at the Game Time app can help you out, and specifically for me, William, we, we talked about it before. I'm coming over in three weeks. I haven't booked my tickets for sh- for a Bulls game yet. Obviously, a large a large reason why I'm coming to Chicago is to see this team play basketball, and I should probably get on that and 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 uh, get my tickets sorted. And I can guarantee you. And this is no word of a lie. I'm going to be using the Game Time app to get that done. Uh, it's very, as as Joey just had on the screen, it's very easy to navigate through the app, through the web t- website. You can see where you want to sit in the arena. It tells you wh- how much a ticket's going to cost. Uh, it's so simple to use. It's never been easier to to get your hands on some amazing tickets. And Game Time, more importantly, guarantees you the lowest price. And importantly, it's a it's a it's a platform that's created by the fans. For the fans. So if you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this podcast. That's what I'll be doing. I will be joining over 15 million people who have done, downloaded the Game Time app. And uh, I, I implore everyone to do the same.
0: Just getting uh, a few comments here before we get into our next segment. Uh, from AK, Billy also deserves some blame. 100% agree. I mean, you can't get around it when... Uh, when the team is performing this badly, there's, there's blame to go around. You can't just assign it to the players or the front office. Like there's problems with the, the way that the coaching staff has gone about it too. But I think the point of what Stan was saying, and, and he convinced me of this is that the, the process that the coaches are going about is the right one. I think that they've handled that right. The execution obviously hasn't been there, but um, yeah, I, I think there's blame to go around. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, renewable, well, rechargeable.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I think uh, Mr. Fish, here, the monster atomic mutant lake fish. I think you summed it up your point there really well in the sense that, you know, from an analogy point of view, that the balls are a boxer who gets stunned on jabs, but they don't necessarily have many counters to this thing they they just cover up go into a shell try to go into protective mode because they don't really have an ability to offer up many counters which is what what you just spoke about William like they don't have an ability to sort of pivot to a drive game or they can't necessarily hit the offensive glass because for x number of reasons and we obviously know that they they can't shoot the damn ball so there's so many li- limitations around what they can do or can't do probably more specifically what they can't do that they have no they have no counters to to uh, a, lo- a lot of other offenses around there, so it's it's problematic in in that sense in, in a lot of ways because that they just don't they have no real alternative but maybe just to get the ball to Zach and or Demar and, and go ISO hunting. That's pretty much. The, I mean, what else can they really do efficiently? There's there's not a lot of avenues to score the ball.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a really good analogy. It's something that Billy has been bringing up a lot lately at. Um, you know, as pregame and postgame availability, just as far as like runs happen in the NBA. It's gonna, it's gonna happen once or twice, or, you know, however many times during the course of an NBA game, teams are going to make runs at you and you have to be able to know how to duck and dip and hit back. And the bulls don't, they get socked in the face and they get stunned and they fall over. And it's so frustrating when it's, a 24 point lead coming out of the first quarter. There's zero reason you should lose that game period. They know it. um, But for whatever reason, like these things happen and it just spirals out of control. Um, I think another interesting aspect of what Stan van had to say was that the players on the roster, I think are meeting or exceeding expectations. Like obviously you haven't had the offensive jump from the Patrick Williams that, you wanted to start the year, right? Like you wanted him to turn into a 15, 18 point per game score. That didn't happen. And it probably won't this year, certainly. Um, but he is shooting the ball over 40%. He's taking almost four threes a game. He's doing his part there. And obviously the defense has been a lot better. Caruso for the lack of scoring and the high turnover percentage is still shooting 40%. Um, Io's doing the best that he can. Kobe just obviously had a breakout game there. He's been up and down, but like, for the most part, guys are meeting or exceeding their expectations. And still, the success is not following. Still, the game plan isn't working. And I think that's where things just start to really get dark mentality-wise. And that's where like these losses piling up, I, I think, really starts to affect them and their belief in what they can do. Because I, I think they are trying to play the right way, uh, whether it you know results in 48 minutes or not. Um, I think they want to do the right thing, but it's still not working. And I think that's where, you know, you just these losses start to pile up and, and sort of mean more than just one-off loss should mean.
1: Can I push back on that? Uh, I I don't necessarily agree that the players have met expectations. Um, certainly, some have, um, but I don't think that, Well, I don't think many have to be honest with you, William. I was, I was I put this in the rundown. I was I was doing the mental exercise. Like, how many guys? Have actually met my expectations, or maybe more importantly, the team's expectations. And I mean, n- just initially, at least, thinking about the starting lineup, the-, the only two that I can say, you know, hand on heart that I think have done so is, is Damar and Vuoch, to be honest with you. I I I don't think Pat has met expectations, which you know it's it's unfortunate. And it's not necessarily he hasn't met my expectations because in a lot of ways he has. But in terms of the expectations this team has placed on him or the importance they've placed on him, in part because they haven't necessarily supported him with more backup power forward options who can maybe get in the game when he's having a bad game or have guys behind him who can readily compete for his minutes and sort of take those minutes off him and light a fire under him from that point of view. I don't think Pat has many expectations, particularly like... Part of the whole reason this thing was brought together or why the Bulls were so comfortable in giving away uh, future first round picks was they were confident in their own young guys coming up and developing at a a rate that would maybe be expedited to the point where, you know, someone like Pat by year three would be a perfect complement to, to DeMar and Vooch. And again, these are not necessarily my expectations, but you... I can read in or infer that that's what the, the front office were expecting of Pat based on how they've built the roster around him. Similarly with Io, like again, he's in a really unfortunate position where again we're relying on a second a second round pick here to be a starting point guard in, uh, for a, for a team who has playoff aspirations in his second year. Like it's an unfair expectation, but in, in a lot of respects, based on the position itself or what the Bulls need from their starting point guard. Io hasn't necessarily lived up to that point. So bringing this back to the numbers, like of the main, of the regular rotational guys, the, the two guys who are at the bottom in terms of net rating are Io and Patrick Williams. So I do have to sit here and wonder, what does this team look like if they had more experienced, more capable guys running at point guard or power forward? So... I know that sounds unfair, and I'm not necessarily saying that those two guys haven't met my expectations because I I think in a lot of respects they have, but just what the team needed from their point guard and power forward position, I don't think those two guys have consistently delivered. And then I don't think I I could say Zach as well has met my expectations. So I know the numbers are what the numbers are, and and he started slowly but has has come back to a more, uh, you know, more median level, let's say, but... In, in many respects, I don't think Zach has been anywhere close to as good as he has been the previous two seasons. So I don't think it's fair to say that at least three of the five starters have met my expectations or the team's expectations, which is more probably more important in that sense.
0: I would say I disagree with that to an extent. I think Patrick has done pretty much what the Bulls have asked Patrick to do in terms of going out there and guarding the best player every night and taking spot-up open threes. Um I don't think his offensive game has really developed all that much. Um, I think there are times where it's clearly regressed. I think that's a problem. But just in terms of like being a floor spacer, number one defender, I think he's done that. Um, I don't really see a ton of growth in terms of offensive skill set for Io either. Like I think he's learned the game a little bit better. I learned how to pick his spots a little bit more. But we're seeing the same three-point shooting. We're seeing... Uh, The same caliber of defense, which is a good caliber of defense. But I think for both of those guys, you're right to say that like at this point in their careers, for a team that's like got aspirations to be high level playoff team, they're they're not they're not cutting it. Um, But I do think just in terms of like what the Bulls are asking of them, which fair or not, is what they're asking of them. I think they're pretty much giving you the most that they can. Um, Vooch obviously has played a lot better at times this year i think for the most part he has gotten back to like his orlando caliber of output um i think what you had said a little bit earlier about you know his role and how that should change based on who they're playing uh, you know you mentioned like him shooting more threes against a team like the bucks who's covering them in drop i think he has been um whether it's out of stubbornness or Just because it's a challenge for him, it's been difficult for him to contribute when he's not playing the style of play that he grew accustomed to in Orlando. And when he's not producing as one of your three guys who can really produce, it becomes really difficult. Zach has had his ups and downs, um, obviously started the season slow, obviously picked it back up and then hurt his knuckle and hasn't been quite the same since then. I think DeMar's been pretty close to what he was last year. Not quite as much, um, scoring and just like the clutch heroics, obviously not there, but I think for the most part, like they're not playing that much worse than they were when they were playing towards the end of last year. I think it's a lot, a lot of it's just like the talent level isn't there. And it's amazing how much adding one more guy, pushing everybody down in the rotation can really have an effect on this team. So again, I think there is an argument to be made for in defense of the front office for not making any moves because there is proof of concept, but when you've gone over a full year of seeing how the flaws on this team affect, you know, the, the floor and, and just, you've seen how the floor can sort of open up and bottom out when you're missing just one shooter. It's kind of surprising to me that there weren't any adjustments there, but I think based on the uh, the current trend and how the Bulls might finish the season with 25, 25 games to go, there certainly will be some changes you would have to expect this summer. Um, two quick uh, super chats here before I turn it over to you again, Mark. Uh, from Blue Diamond, OKC fan here, this is exactly what I predicted. Well, I guess congrats on being right. <laughs> Um, A.K., do you think position-wise Pat is a power forward or small forward? Um, power forward. I think power forward too. I, I think he's – it doesn't really make that much of a difference depending on who the other forward is. Like with Damar out there, it's kind of like Pat just guards the the better wing player and Damar can sort of hide on, on the worst offensive player. Um, I just personally, outside of like point guard and big – I don't really think where you align between shooting guard, small forward, power forward really matters that much. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. Well, I mean,
1: my, my general sentiment is of what would have been a small forward 10 years ago is now a power forward. So 10 years ago, Pat would have been a small forward, maybe even five years ago. But uh, those types of players are now power forwards in this in this version of NBA. How sometimes guys Pat size are playing center. So I think he is definitely a power forward. Can he play small forward? Yeah, sure. Depending on the matchup, um, depending on who he's having to guard, depending on who that team runs through. If 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 uh, you know if we're playing the Clippers, for example, like and, and Pat's guarding Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi's playing power forward, does that make Pat the small forward or the power forward? Like it, it's so much so much of it is semantic space as well. But ultimately, I do think most of his matchups are going to be against wing-sized players because a lot of of wing-sized players play the four now. So uh, to me, Pat's a four. That's where the league is trending and he will remain a four for that reason.
0: I think so too. Um, We've been going on about an hour here, but I think this last point, um, just wanted to kind of give you the floor and because it it does tie into that in terms of um, the Bulls sort of balancing act between winning now and developing some of their young players. What, What were your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I wanted to tie two points together as as I close this, um, or at least my rant here. Like You had um, noted the fact that just having one more guy and that one more guy being Alonso and how that would sort of just help settle the hierarchy of the team, the, the rotation itself. And that's a completely valid and good point. And you're, you're absolutely right about that. But we had a comment in here from, um, let me get the name right, uh, renew, uh, Renewable and Rechargeable Review. He had noted that Surely, that AK and and the and the Bulls team would have had at some point knew the knew the status of Lonzo's injury, or even if they didn't, like you would have known Lonzo's history injury, or injury history rather, and the fact that even even if he was to come back at some point in the season, it was always going to be a long injury. It was something that even if he got back, you couldn't necessarily rely on him, and because of that, there should have been. I don't know, maybe more reinforcements added to the roster from that point of view. Coming back to what we said before about the offseason, it's starting in the offseason, not not really addressing a lot of different problems in the offseason. And like, I, I, Lonzo's obviously a really, really good player. And I don't want to disrespect Lonzo with this comment, but I think he's so valuable to this Bulls team in part, not just because of who he is, but the, the fact that they just haven't valued the things that he brings in other players. And that's why his value is so much to this team because there's point. just nothing else. There's no one else that can do it. But like if there was more shooting on this roster of other guys who could play defense, other guys who were two way players, then you could withstand maybe the loss of Lonzo a little bit better than what they have been able to do. So I think that's a good and valid point as well as what you've noted here. But, uh, earlier but I guess coming back to my point around uh, IO and Pat maybe not delivering on this team's expectations again like like I said I think they've met my expectations of guys in year two and three but what this team needs from starting point guard and, and power forward position like I don't think they've met that and I think that comes back to just this inability or this thinking of all right let's, let's bring in demar let's bring in vooch let's pray those guys with Zach let's try to win now but also at the same time, we've got Pat playing power forward. We don't really have a good a, a good backup option behind him. So effectively, we're going to give him 25, 30 minutes a night, pretty much every night. You've got Io obviously running point now because he has to because he's got no Lonzo. But even behind, but behind Io, you've got Kobe, who's still a young player, still learning a lot about this league. And then obviously we've got Dalen too. So I just question whether this team has done the right thing here and trying to sort of bridge the gap between trying to win now but also trying to invest in their younger guys. And we spoke about it before, William, like this this idea that maybe, maybe they got it all wrong at the last trade deadline where if you were going win now, then really fully commit to win now. Whether that's the right decision or not, and obviously, clearly, what we know now is maybe not the best of decisions. But they kind of half-assed it in that sense that they they brought in their win win now guys, but they didn't necessarily go the whole way. They really expected maybe Pat, and maybe everything would have been fine if Pat made a Tyrese Halliburton leap or if he was on the level of an Anthony Edwards or a Lamelo Ball. And I, again, I don't want to discredit Pat or or suggest that Pat needs to be on the same timeline of those guys, but. Had he been on that timeline, then maybe this is all good and fine. But because he wasn't, and I know that's unfair expectations to put on Pat, but because he hasn't been able to do that, it just leaves the question now of, well, why didn't you have more ready-made options at power forward or a point guard like our friend mentioned before that, you know, you know Lonzo's history with injuries. Why do you not have more reinforcements from that point of view? So, I do think they've got it wrong in the sense of they've relied too, or they've been in a position where they've had to rely on too many young guys. And ultimately, like, I would have loved to have seen the balls bring Pat along more slowly, like have him as a, a bench guy rather than throwing him out there and having to be this defensive force in his second and third year. I do think a lot of the expectations that this team has put on Pat and even Io has been unfair at times. So, uh, yeah, it, it what they've asked of those younger guys, and what, the way they've needed those guys to be ready-made role guys straight away—it's it's problematic in that sense. So, yeah, it's tough. It's tough.
0: It is. Um, I think the Bulls, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but they are certainly in a tough spot now. Um, they they can't really go back. Obviously, like you would def- like to see more development from some of these those young guys earlier on, but. We are where we are. And as Billy said last night, they got to come up with solutions now. Um, so we are going to wrap here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Mark and I will be back on Monday for a fresh HQ episode. Um, so nothing over All-Star Weekend, but then Mark will be back with me on Monday for HQ. And then we'll go back to our regular CHGO Bulls pod on, I believe, Wednesday. uh, Keep track of our schedule, though, on our CHGO Bulls Twitter account. Um, So thank you guys for tuning in. Follow Mark at MKHoops. I'm at Will underscore Gottlieb. Thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Sign up using promo code CHGO and bet on some fun for the All-Star festivities. For Mark, for Joey, our producer, shout out to you as always, Joey. And for myself, thank you guys for tuning in to CHGO Bulls HQ. We will see you after the break.